This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, April 4th, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family still celebrating the launch of the MyPillow version 2.0. In addition, they've got the My Dog Bed. The Air Lindells, version 1 and 2, my slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. When you enter promo code STEAK, you're going to get big, big savings here. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched my coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. You enter promo code STEAK there. You're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep-related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, facing 34 charges in a criminal indictment case, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram, find them on Facebook as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram. It's Take for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and Truth Social, welcome Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 227. I'm Roan, Noah's here. Yo. Guys, we've got a packed show. Christina Bob's going to be joining us in just a sec. Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen Polling is going to be here, and Will Scharf is going to be making his Steak for Breakfast debut. Big day, Donald Trump's already in the Manhattan Courthouse. We're going to be talking about that and all the rest of the news But before we get into any of that, let's take it on down to South Florida. All right. As we already mentioned, this is the Steak for Breakfast podcast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back. And joining us first today to get things started off, she's an attorney for the Trump 2024 campaign. She's also a celebrated author and great friend of ours here. Joining us again, Miss Christina Bob, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I always love coming on. We love hosting you. How's everything going? I, I wish you could say good. I, I'm pretty sure you're going to say good and start laughing, but. Uh, you know, things are fine. They're, they're fine. Oh, I like that um, meme. Things are things. Yeah, I like that meme. Yeah, things, that's a better way of saying it. Things are things. I mean, I don't think this isn't the end of end of anything, really. Um, Donald Trump's getting arraigned and we're setting terrible precedent. The Democrat party, I should say, is setting terrible precedent with what they're doing, but that's 
this isn't the first time they've done that. So, you know, it's take one on the chin and keep going. I mean, it's not going to stop anything. It's not going to slow anything down. I'm looking forward to hearing him tonight. I'll be down at Mar-a-Lago with him tonight when he gives his like speech to everybody, he makes a statement. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, but you know, we just got to get through this, but we will. Well, you made a point there that you said it's not the uh, end of it, but it surely is the beginning. We're, we're setting a precedent that, you know, we haven't seen since, I mean, a lot of people always refer back to that groundbreaking 1872 case involving Ulysses S. Grant and his uh, need for speed in the downtown district of Washington, D.C., where he was arrested uh, after his horse carriage was clocked at better than average for three days in a row. <laughs> but besides that, here we are with, with President Trump. He's going to be uh, you know, entering the courthouse soon. He's going to be arraigned. There's still very vague details about everything except of what they leaked to CNN, you know, the yeah. up to 34 counts, felonies, uh, just, just yeah. uncharted waters for the United States as far as prosecuting and persecuting your political figures in country goes. And uh, it's just been really kind of tough trying to digest the news cycle the last couple of days, especially over the weekend. You know, I, I try to hit up all the uh, hot bastions of uh, true news, state of the union, state of the fake union, Deface the Nation, CBS Sunday Morning, like Fox News Sunday. There was nothing. Like, they tried to talk about the Restrict Act and the trans people complaining and even Ukraine a little bit, and, and then it would always just – they couldn't even get to Ron DeSantis, which is something that, like, Fox News just loves to do. And they couldn't even bring him up because the Trump arraignment and, and indictment now is uh, just consume the news cycle. So – Christina, we know you're not going to give us like the actual receipts just based off of all the things that legally happen in the background, but what's the latest you could tell us coming out of uh, your part of South Florida right now? Well, you know, I'm on the campaign side. I'm not on his New York legal team, so I don't right. necessarily have the inside information on that, but I, you know, I'm watching it the same way you guys are and I'm, he's going to get arraigned here, you know, short, shortly. Um, and then I think we continue on, <laughs> you know, we just keep going and, uh, they're going to try, it, they are going to try to do whatever they can to make sure that he can't run or can't win this election. And everything they do is just going to make him stronger because it's so clearly a political ploy. And the way that they are destroying this nation is just so obvious at this point. I mean, the fact that you know, the dollar is decreasing in value. Nations are trading with other currencies at this point, and they're distracting from it by going, oh, look at how bad Trump is. Look at how bad Trump is. Americans aren't stupid. I mean, there may have been a group of us who weren't paying attention as closely or, you know, might not have been totally following the corruption of not just the Democrat Party, but the, the political swamp. Uh, but I think Americans, th this is just waking everybody up to the to the point that they realize you know, our nation, our free, not just our nation, our freedoms, our freedoms are under attack. You know, it, it goes without saying, Christina, and you don't want, you make comments like that. And sometimes the casual listener will be like, oh yeah, the freedoms, like <laughs> they could, they could just have this view of Donald Trump from, from only absorbing the mainstream media, or they might be, you know, politically uneducated, or they're just a casual follower of politics and be like, everything I've ever heard about this guy is terrible. But when, mm -hmm. when you see some of the other people, I mean, obviously you, you've had some uh, 
meet and greets with, you know, federal law enforcement throughout the course of... <laughs> I've gotten of, to know a few of them. <laughs> yeah, probably on a first-name basis by this point. Okay. You have Steve Bannon facing federal jail time. You have Dr. Peter Navarro, who's on house arrest down in Florida. Uh, obviously, Weisselman, the former CFO of, of Trump, Inc., uh, you know, he's in jail for exercising tax loopholes. That That is something that's common in, in the business sector and things that, you know, people always use. And then you, you see this legal team, and I'm air quoting now, that Alvin Bragg, the radical left Soros-funded district attorney out of the Manhattan office, who, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, so everybody who was putting out posts that has a decent reach and was using the term Soros-funded was getting fact-checked by, like, a Wall Street Journal editor. Right. And then people were, (laughs) everybody knows he was, but the thing is, people were tagging Elon Musk in community notes, so they fact-checked it and said, actually, he is. So then this th- this guy from the Wall Street Journal went back and complained and said, actually, he's not, and and just kind of left it at that. So people went and fact-checked that, and then Twitter put another fact-check on his rebuttal of it saying, well... Was this rebuttal just like an exclamation point? Not. So exactly. <laughs> here it is. So the pack that funded Alvin Bragg or was funding him, uh, it's like a diversion... Equity and inclusion pack, right? One of those George Soros funded one. They they received a million dollar donation from George Soros the day after the pack endorsed him. So technically it wasn't George Soros funded. He provided additional funding. And then the pack had to stop endorsing Alan Bragg after a sex scandal that was probably washed away with hush money, erupted in the office and centered around him. So it was just like you can't make this stuff up on how bad some of the actors no. are. But when you deconstructed, I saw Raheem Kassam, the editor in chief of the National Pulse, put out an article this morning talking about the, the legal, and I'm air quoting again, team around Alvin Bragg. You know, his chief of staff, there's like half a dozen receipts on here of impeachment era tweets that he's liking and commenting on. Right. This, this is the chief right. of staff for Alvin Bragg, the district attorney in Manhattan. And then you have, uh, you know, the assistant chief to Alvin Bragg uh, worked and, you know, got money from uh, Soros-funded think tank, and well, they're all they're all corrupted, and they're all completely biased. And Gateway Pundit did a great job of pulling their, you know, they Gateway Pundit went to the new the Manhattan DA's website and pulled their executive team. You know, on their website they say meet the team of all, you know the executives that work there, the attorneys. Gateway Pundit pulled that and just started investigating all of them, and they're all crazy woke leftists that hate Donald Trump and open and openly and unabashedly call for his impeachment and say that we need to rid him of everything. Blah blah blah. Completely biased. Well, as Gateway Pundit started kind of exposing uh, these people for who they are, yep. I don't know if you saw it recently, but they just had to update their story and say that the Manhattan DA had to remove that page from their website because um, just their bios was so damning and they didn't want people to know who they were because they're so biased that they actually removed it from their website. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Manhattan DA deletes their meet the team page after second staffer nukes their far left Twitter account. But right. it, it even goes to the judge uh, Christina, Lauren Mershon, who's the daughter of the judge presiding over the case. Obviously, we know who Mershon is. Donald Trump has very exquisitely outlined who he is, who his wife is, and how he feels about him on his true social account. Mm-hmm. But not only has she been noted as one of the rising stars in the Democrat Party, she worked on campaigns of some of the absolute Clydesdales that they've got on, on, on the Democrat side, like Adam Schiff and Kamala Harris presidential campaign. 
Yeah, and now it's and now her she's president of of an organization that lists the Biden Harris campaign as one of their clients. Yes, so incestual with how many three hundred and thirty million people or how many people live in the United States today, and yet it's a very small incestual pool of these government bureaucrats that are pulling the strings and making decisions, making prosecutorial decisions. It's a it's really alarming at how closely tied all these people are. And, and you know, what's what, what also kind of slid in under the weekend was the fact that they decided not to move on the Hillary Clinton case where millions of dollars exchanged hands and what some would consider hush money. And, and, you know, the only thing I heard about it was Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton doing like a tandem town hall and them joking about it. And we well, yeah, but because there's two tiers of justice and, the criminal justice system doesn't apply to them. Yeah. Not yet. Anyway, they're setting a very dangerous precedent, but it doesn't apply to them yet. Do you really think this falls into the category of you set up something to crush your opponents, but at some point that machine will crush the creators? Do you, do you think we get there? Like, do you think at some point I do. We'll, yeah. we'll have like radical right wing district judges in places like New York and Los well, Angeles. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think we need to do that. I don't think we need radical right-wing judges. We need fair judges. If right. you have fair judges in, they all should end up in jail because they're criminals. They need radical far leftist judges because there's no crimes here. There's, there's not actual real crimes committed. So they need judges who are willing to overlook the law. We don't need that. We just need judges who follow the law. What do you think uh, comes down the pike for any other people who are under kind of legal scopes, at least in the near future, you know, there's a special counsel set up for President Trump, but there's also one for Joe Biden. Obviously, mm -hmm. Hunter Biden's uh, under the microscope. We saw James Comer announce that he's received uh, a, an overwhelming majority of the suspicious activity reports over the last mm -hmm. 48 hours, and his team has been breaking them down. Do you see at least during the course of maybe the back end of Joe Biden's first term in office, anything coming their way legally that's going to... Uh, you know, allow them to experience any kind of the turbulence that Donald Trump's going through right now? Well, I think if the Congressional Oversight Committees are doing their job, which they appear to be doing, hopefully some of the information will come to light and the American people can understand and appreciate what these crooks are actually doing in office. But again, it comes down to the Department of Justice prosecuting. And I just don't see Joe Biden's DOJ prosecuting Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton or Hunter Biden or Jim Biden or any of these people that are taking these kickbacks. So um, I think we can expose a lot of it, but I think for real justice to be done, I think real justice will come after the election. Yeah, I think uh, you're, you're probably right. And I don't know how much of it's going to come up on the, uh, you know, campaign trail as well. Maybe we once we head into the general election debates and if it's Joe Biden and Donald Trump again, obviously it looks like Donald Trump based off the poll numbers we've seen. It'll you know, be Donald Trump. I'm not convinced it'll be Joe Biden. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's definitely something that a lot more people are saying. I saw a lot of the news uh, outlets over the course of the weekend kind of arguing because the Biden team saying like, well, we might announce by May, maybe even July. And, you know, we're going to see how long he lives. <laughs> if he's alive by the end of the day, so, you know, we'll announce. But I don't think they don't want Joe Biden. I no, mean, no. they do not want him on their ticket. So I think they're trying to figure out a way to to get him off but yeah try to save save face and do it in a way that doesn't look terrible well i think i think the biggest point that they were making and i thought it was one of the only things that the dem insiders really made sense on was like do you know how much of a corner you're backing the eventual democrat candidate 
uh, into if Joe Biden decides that he's not going to run for re-election if you waited till like let's say July. You know, there, there'd be no way to hide it if you're yeah, trying. Yeah, they to- don't care. They they know they can't win a fair election. They they have to cheat. So their whole this isn't Donald Trump versus Joe Biden or Donald Trump versus you know Democrat X. Sure. This is Donald Trump versus the establishment machine, or as Steve Bannon likes to refer to it as the apparatus. Right. There you go. So there you go. Um, it's Donald Trump versus the the swamp machine in. It doesn't matter. They can plug and play whoever they want to put in that Democrat candidate because it doesn't matter. They have everything set up to rig the election in favor of whoever. So Donald Trump has to break. Not When I say their algorithm, I'm not talking literally about machines and algorithms. I mean, their their process. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump needs to break their process. He needs to be so popular that they're their rigged apparatus breaks. And I think he's doing that. And I think the more they charge him with this baloney stuff, I think they're only helping his cause. Now we've seen the cause helped pretty well, getting close to $9 million in campaign donations that have been sent to the Trump team since the indictment came down. In addition to that, uh, obviously Mm -hmm. we saw that there was no drop off uh, due to the size of the rally that you were at in, in Waco, Texas, not too long oh, ago, yeah. it was close to, you know, if not more than 30,000 people there at some remote airport in an obscure corner of Texas. And, uh, right. you know, you, you can't really say that the man's not popular. A lot of people try to just tie oh it to the God, base, but it's so like, popular. yeah, you have some of these people who are some of the higher end in the Republican establishment, you know, if they get 200, 300 people at an event, they consider it a win. And, you know, if Donald Trump gets under like 20, 30,000, he considers it a loss. So yeah. it, it's one of those things where you really can't take into account uh, what this is going to happen. Christina, just based off of what you're seeing and how the landscape's kind of shaping up right now, obviously we don't think this is the last of Donald Trump's legal troubles. Obviously they're not self-induced. They're ones that are manufactured by, like you said, the establishment, the deep state, the administrative state. Do you think he's going to kind of run into the same hurdles that he's seeing now in Manhattan, down in Georgia, and then eventually with referrals from the January 6th committee in Washington, D.C.? Um, yeah, I don't think this is the only thing they're going to throw at him. You know, if they had consulted me, which they didn't, <laughs> I would say pick one and go all in on it. I mean, the more you do, the worse it's going to be for you. One, it weakens all the other cases, and two, uh, it makes you look less credible. And then the more you do, the more people are going to rally behind Donald Trump. So I would say pick one and go all in and leave it at that. But they did not consult my advice. So uh, I don't know what they're going to do They're They might try to see like if this thing gains traction, you know, then they don't do it. But I think the one in Georgia is probably shot from what I can tell. I mean, just from reading the reports, I think their grand jury for woman pretty much scuttled their case. So uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see what comes out of it. But I, I believe wholeheartedly they are going to do everything they can to try to stop Donald Trump. Sure. Um, so this probably isn't the end of it. But, I, you know, I don't know. No, you never can tell. And uh, who knows what they could manufacture between those mentioned cases and in between. You know, a lot of people uh, have been making the point over the last couple of days that if Merrick Garland and the Justice Department at the federal level had something to charge Donald Trump with in New York, they wouldn't have, uh, you know, kicked it down to Alvin Bragg to try and invent something to charge him with, which is where we're at right now. 
And, yeah. and you know, that kind of leads me to believe that he's not really going to do anything with the January 6th stuff, especially after you've seen some of the exposés have had prisoners who have been detained released early. Yeah, yeah. And all that investigative journalism that's shown that, like, federal law enforcement is completely lying as far as, like, witnesses go in, in regards to some of these cases as well. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're going to do anything about January 6th. I mean, that would be... I think that would be a major disaster for them if they tried to do that, but they never cease to amaze me. No, they don't. And you don't cease to amaze us, Christina. Last thing I wanted to ask you before we cut with you is, uh, I mean, we know you're not working on this case specifically. You are in and around Mar-a-Lago a lot. Obviously, you already mentioned that you're going to be there tonight. First president, uh, either former or sitting in the history of the United States to be indicted and host an after party afterwards. Again, <laughs> Blazing trails we never thought could be blazed. We just want to know, we try to get it from everybody who's close to the team on the show. We've heard different things. You know, Liz says he was a little bummed and, and disappointed about it. And then we hear people like Cash come on the other day. And he's like, nah, he doesn't give a shit. He just keeps like plowing through. But at the end of the day, Donald Trump is a human. How is the 45th president doing? We, we see him kind of, I mean, obviously this weighs on him a lot, but we, we do know uh, he does just kind of put his head down and keep pushing through. He does. If anything, it fuels him. I mean, I'm not going to pretend he, that he likes it. I don't think anybody, anybody likes the fact that this is happening. And I think he wishes that this weren't happening to our nation. I don't yeah. think he's looking at it as a, as him. I think he's looking at it as they're destroying our nation. Um, but it, it gives him all the more resolve to clear out the corruption. I don't think this is deterring him at all. So I think, if anything, it's only emboldening him. And you know he uh, is one of the best in the business at taking that and applying it to uh, the campaign trial, speaking events, Oh, yeah. Rallies. Nobody nobody can do what he does. No one can do what he does. And I love the way you phrased it, that he's hosting an after party after his arraignment. That's funny. But it, it's kind of true. Like, it, that's just how he is, and no, no one does it better than him. No, that's... the the absolute truth right there. Christina, obviously we're going to live link the book in the show description today, the Trump campaign as well. For anyone that's not following you on social media, where can they check you out? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Christina underscore Bob, uh, truth and getter at Christina Bob. Excellent. And we'll be looking forward to the next time we sit down with you. This is author and attorney for the Trump team. Miss Christina Bob, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. We are now officially a third world country. No president in the history of our country has been subjected to such vicious and disgusting attacks. But they only attack me because I fight for you. It's very simple. They can't buy me and they can't control me. And that scares them beyond belief. Since the very beginning, I've shunned the globalist special interest donors who have made a fortune off of destroying our country. Instead, our presidential campaign has always been funded by grassroots patriots like you. Your contribution today will show the left that nothing can destroy the greatest political movement in history. This is the greatest movement in political history. There's never been anything like it. Even the fake news media, when they hear me say that, they can't challenge it because it's true. And you think about what we did in 2016. And then we did even better by many millions and millions of votes in 2020. But the election was rigged and stolen. But now we're going to take back our country in 2024. If you're doing poorly because of Biden's disastrous policies, don't even think about making a contribution to our campaign. You and your family always come first. Our movement is about making your life better and putting you first. So 
I don't want you to incur any financial costs that you can't afford. But if you're doing well because all of the things that I've done have brought you wealth and prosperity, or at least you're extremely comfortable, it would be really great if you could contribute to our campaign. You know how to do it, because they're going to have billions of dollars fighting to make this a communist country, and that's what they're doing. They skipped socialism. They, the train didn't stop at that station. <laughs> in just a couple of years, our country is going to be richer, stronger, and greater than ever before. But that's only if we win in 2024. Otherwise, our country will continue to fail. Our country will be a disaster. Together, we will make America great again. And that was the 45th president of the United States yesterday before he took off from Mar-a-Lago and headed up to New York. He stayed the night in Trump Tower and uh, currently is under arrest. Well, he's definitely not wrong. No, he's not. If this continues, we're just going to see a, more of a decay of America. Steady decline? Steady decline. It's more like rapid decline at this point. Yeah, at this point, yeah. I mean, we took a big step today. This is kind of a... As cliche as it is to say, a day that will live in infamy. Oh, that's a big, <laughs> big step in dog shit. Yeah, it certainly is, and, and so are some of the uh, anti-Trump agitators outside of the New York courthouse, where the 45th president of the United States, as I just said, is currently under arrest. Are they going to do the mugshot? We, I, th- there's been speculation. You know, there were articles that came out last night that said no mugshot, but then I watched the latest version of Fox News. It's like the Fox nightly news it's on after all the talk shows and they said mugshot so i feel like they're not going to do a mugshot because they know it's going to be an iconic photo that will really hurt them in the long run i I had a go juice oj simpson (laughs) shirt in middle school yeah uh with his mugshot on it and uh yeah that's a little different because he was actually a murderer but hey (laughs) the glove didn't fit (laughs) you must have quit come on man (laughs) But, yeah, it's, it's a big day in the news cycle. Uh, I, I tried to, you know, and there's a lot of other stuff going on. We tried to point it out on our on our Friday edition of the show. We, we talked about some of the big committee work, but there's none of that today. A lot of the Congress people uh, up on Capitol Hill are experiencing spring break as we're, uh, you know, entering Passover and Easter season here. They're either out in district or, you know, a lot of the ones who are close to President Trump are up in New York. Marjorie Taylor Greene's there, a couple others as well. It seems like this is just going to kind of dominate the news cycle, therefore dominate the show today again. We just have to kind of watch it play out. We'll, we'll keep it as live as possible on the show leading up into when we release uh, it a little bit later in the day. The last truth that Donald Trump put out before he entered the courthouse uh, came just about 45 minutes ago. Liz Harrington just shared it across True Social. Heading to Lower Manhattan. The courthouse seems so surreal. Wow, they are going to arrest me. I can't believe this is happening in America. Make America great again. So this... What if it's like how there's always uh, cell phones that they get smuggled into into prison and like Donald Trump's in there with like uh, a cell phone hidden under his bunk and he's still tweeting? The memes that came out last (laughs) night of the album covers, everything (laughs) from... NWA and Tupac and Biggie that had Donald Trump's head on these characters were amazing. And so were all the meme makers. They'll all be mentioned at the end of the show as well that were pumping them out throughout the course of the day. And so were some of the very touching and motivational videos about how on this is a dark day for the country, for the justice system, for the rule of law, and for the common man. But it's also the day, hopefully, that we turn the corner and 
for as much as it's been prophesized that we need to stand up and take the power back, that we see we are kind of at the final stages of what could be the end of our republic, essentially. Mm-hmm. You start locking up political opposition and, and... Might as well be Venezuela. Right. Former and future leaders of the country, then you, you've gone straight through the bridge close sign and, and are heading off a cliff that we're not going to be able to come back from. Um, you know, you even have like state run CCP accounts on Twitter, uh, you know, putting out tweets right now in all caps, former president Trump is arrested. So the world is watching. And for those of the, you know, who are involved in all this at the justice department and at the state level, especially up in places like New York, places to come like Georgia and even in the, uh, you know, with the department of justice and and what could happen in Washington, DC, I hope you really are proud of yourselves for being so stunning and so brave that you had to be the ones to go and try and get Trump because um, I really do think for how much they just kind of live inside their own echo chamber and think this will be one of the last, if not the last nails in the coffin for him. It's galvanizing a lot more than just our base. I don't don't think they realize how this actually works. The poll numbers have taken a big turn for President Trump. We'll be talking about that in just a little bit with Mark Mitchell, the head pollster at Rasmussen. Obviously, you've heard about how beloved he is from Trump attorney, uh, Miss Christina Bob, who we just cut with a few minutes ago. And uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but I feel like my my, uh, Nostradamus predictions. Nostradamus? Yeah. I like it. I think uh, it's probably, I mean, I'm not going to go back on what I said. Like, I feel like there's something... This is obviously not going to stick, but because this doesn't stick, they're going to have to do something worse. And, I mean, who knows? Like, my my prediction was that something's going to happen to suspend even having another election. I really hope that's not the case. I mean, we've already seen some of the people closest to the president, especially um, from the course of the first campaign, already incur major fines, penalties, and even jail time. Uh, We talk about them all the time on the show. Steve Bannon's facing a minimum of four months in jail, federal prison. Uh, Peter Navarro, currently serving two years of house arrest. Uh, Christina Bob knows her FBI agents on a first-name basis now. (laughs) They don't even use the flowers truck in front of her house anymore they just use their own cars and uh you know you even have a sensible like, minivan <laughs> uh weisselman who is the cfo of, of trump inc you know that's sitting up on rikers island for exercising tax loopholes that people in like the clinton campaign uh use on a regular basis uh for things related to company work so i'm sure that will extend out to other people who are in trump's immediate orbit and and you know that those tactics of lawfare are just used to number one exhaust the people that are close to him. If your focus is to be working on the Trump campaign, but you have the FBI coming to your house three days a week, five days a month, going through all your stuff, seizing your electronics, and giving them back, it's like you live on kind of a different emotional level than the normal person. And then you have to deal with all the rigors of something like the campaign. So there are horses that are in this race and, and built to last that can handle that stuff, but it's very few people, President Trump included. And you know that this is worn down on him uh, a little bit. It's just a situation of we have an unequal justice system. I heard Tucker Carlson weigh in on this last night. Let's listen to it. What's hate speech? Well, it's speech that certain politicians hate. That's all it is. There's no hate speech prescribed in the Constitution. That's completely made up. It's a power grab, of course. Politicians didn't used to dare to talk like this because someone would call them and say, whoa, whoa, slow down, we have a Bill of Rights. But those people are hiding. And like Michael Beschloss, they're too afraid to say what's obviously true, which is we're watching the system itself collapse. 
So you get to just jail a former president on some fake crime for a payment he made seven years ago that was completely legal. Once you get to do that, well, you just can go after all your political enemies with the force of law. And that's what they're doing because no one's stopping them. Today, Fox News learned that Merrick Garland's DOJ is sending subpoenas to Trump's Secret Service agents as part of their probe into his handling of classified documents. Now, if there was ever a fake crime, it's this. Everyone who's ever served in federal office, from Hillary Clinton to Joe Biden to Mike Pence, has admitted to bringing home documents in violation of the law. We have a billion classified federal documents, probably 2% of which deserve to be classified. The whole system is rotten and corrupt and everybody knows it. But they're using it in order to stop someone from running for president. Okay. Is that okay with the defenders of democracy? Then there's the grand jury forewoman in Georgia going on MSNBC saying we're investigating Trump for saying the wrong things about the, the 2020 election. So they want to take out Trump, but in a democratic system, you do that by convincing people to vote against him. In a tyrannical system, you use people with guns to stop him from running. There and that's go. honestly that's right exactly there. what we're seeing. And even if you don't like Trump and have no intention of voting for him in this next cycle, you should have the right to vote for him because that's democracy. And anyone who takes that right away from you is a tyrant and is presiding over a system that is not democratic, but totalitarian. Mm. Makes a good point there. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's sad that it's right on the nose. And he did preview some of the things that are coming down the pike. Obviously, the January 6th referrals, the Georgia election case, and then uh, the special counsel. That's, uh, you know, headed up by Jack Smith, former Hague war criminal persecutor. And uh, he got his career started by uh, really taking off after the Russiagate scandal. He was one of the big... Uh, Big-time federal lawyers who were bullying around Cash Patel and Devin Nunes staffers while they were trying to investigate and whether or not the FBI was spying on citizens and trying to disrupt their case into uh, the Steele dossier. So, you know, just kind of uh, – it, it just seems like everybody's stuck in, like, a holding pattern of, like, you're hearing the same narrative over and over again. You're seeing the receipts come out. Obviously, we deconstructed a little bit of Alan Bragg's team uh, with Christina Bob just a little bit ago. And – uh you know, one of the big things that's been floated around over the course of the past couple of days is the potential for the judge to issue a gag order on the case. We'll obviously be able to bring you that information on whether or not he's going to do so um, by the end of the show today. But I did see uh, Jim Jordan and James Comer got out ahead of it this morning and released a statement from Capitol Hill. I'm going to read it right now. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan and House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer released the following statement on reports that a New York judge may impose an unconstitutional gag order on President Donald Trump today. We are deeply concerned by the reports of the New York District Attorney that he may seek an unconstitutional gag order to put any restrictions on the ability of President Trump to discuss his mistreatment at the hands of this politically motivated prosecutor would only further demonstrate the weaponization of the New York justice system. To even contemplate stifling the speech of a former commander-in-chief and the current candidate for the President of the United States is at odds with everything America stands for. Now, I know that uh, Speaker McCarthy last week, we played the clip he, uh, and read his tweet. He's going to use every single piece of power that he has within the House of Representatives and that portion of the Republican-controlled Congress to uh, investigate the New York District Attorney's Office. Was there any collaboration or corroboration with any of the other district attorneys who are thinking about bringing charges against President Trump or the U.S. Justice Department uh, in this instance? And uh, the gag order would be wild because it would be so hard for him to talk about literally anything. 
without somehow referencing something that they would get salty for him mentioning. That's no rigged and stolen. No. Can you even say make America great again? That would mean that America is I mean, not currently that, great. Yeah. Well, it's just they they would use it to just further just throw the book at him for any potential. I mean, like, what are they trying to do? Like, throw the book at him harder. <laughs> 30, 30 what? How many felonies? 30. Well, see, that's another thing. Do you, does the case get the case isn't going to get thrown out? But but hypothetically, could the case be thrown out because CNN reported that there were thirty four felonies coming down oh, the pike? Yeah. So so if the indictment is sealed, how would CNN be able to report that from a source close to the New York District Attorney's office? Basically, they just admitted that they broke the law, and the source. I've got a good Trump truth on that. We're going to read it a little bit later. <laughs> I, I saw that one. It, it gives you. Uh, I think we have our clip for the end of the day because uh, it definitely gives off that. Uh, Choke yourself vibes. Mm. There you go. Uh, Boomer Sweats weighed in on how the MAGA movement is growing stronger than ever before last night on his show. Let's hear him get everybody fired up about it. Minded prosecution. This will likely all backfire. In fact, it already is backfiring. Donald Trump raised a whopping $7.5 million, apparently. Uh, we got an update tonight since news of the indictment broke with over a million coming from first-time donors. Also a report today that since the indictment, close to 20,000 people have signed on to volunteer and help President Trump and his 2024 campaign. And that's not all. Look at these brand new polls. Look at Trafalgar. That's Robert Cahaley's group. Trump has gained 12 points, gone up 20 percent in the Republican primary and is now well over 50 percent. A poll from Yahoo and YouGov has him at 57 percent. Matt Towery's insider advantage also has Trump at 57 percent, 80 percent now believing that the government has been weaponized. Now, Trump is now running neck and neck with Biden in a general election and beating outright Kamala Harris handily in a head to head matchup. Bragg's insidious attempt to get Donald Trump might well catapult him right back to the White House. That's kind of the, the path we're going down right now. I know there's a lot of time before the general election and even before the Republican primary is over, but you can't take out of context what's what's going on here. He talked about the amount of volunteers that have signed up. I heard it's close to 30,000 by the show today uh, to work on the campaign in, in the upcoming presidential primary and general election seasons. Uh, that number, fundraising-wise, is now getting close to $9 million. It probably will exceed $10 million by the end of business day today. So... You know, we're seeing a big bump for Trump, and it's because I think the people really understand uh, just exactly what's going on here. The the lawfare, the biased two-tier justice system, the corrupt way that our government has just, you know, attempted to silence this guy because he cannot be bought. He cannot be manipulated. Yes, sometimes he was forced into uh, either supporting bad policies or, or bad hires, but that's just kind of the way the system works. If you, if you think everything that someone's going to do is going to be perfect— and going to be at the forefront of the mandate that he had. Uh, you know, just remember how much they tried to nuke that entire, you know, group of people he brought in right at the beginning. Uh, so many lawyers and staffers were, you know, kind of kicked out and, and booted out of D.C. You had Bannon and, and Flynn out of there within the first two years uh, as well, in addition to some of his initial picks uh, that couldn't get over the humps in, in confirmations and things of that nature. So, it got to the point to where the people around him were, were ones that were more familiar with the swamp than they were the America First movement. And uh, you've definitely seen that bleed into some of the policy decisions and uh, hires he made in the back end of his uh, first term in office. But that doesn't really matter. What matters now is what's going on, and uh, that is that Donald Trump's arrested. Uh, guys, wherever you're listening today, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, 
Podbean. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Helps us remain in the algorithm for suggestions. Also, social media is Twitter, Getter, True Social, Instagram. Find Steak for Breakfast Podcast. Hit the notification bell. And uh, stay up to date on everything that's steak. So, got to have some of that oppo hatred. Mm. Yeah. I saw host of her new show. I'm not even going to tell you who it is. She she did a little uh, talking about how this is great for democracy and the justice system is working. Really? Open. Yeah. Let's see. uh if you could wear out the garrison button a little bit when you hear uh, Big Red. Okay, by now you know the former president has been indicted. And this all may feel like a whole lot to digest. I know it feels like that even to me. Lots of evidence, lots of witnesses, and years of investigation have led to this moment. But here's the bottom line. This is an example of our judicial system working like it should work and how it works in democracies across the globe. Yes, I know there's an outcry on the right, and there are a lot of political questions about what this all means. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to talk about all of it, the politics, the impact on the divisions in our country, and what comes next. But it's worth taking a step back to remember how exactly we got to this point in this particular case. It all stems from Trump's role in the scheme to cover up his alleged affair in 2006 with adult film star Stormy Daniels. When the National Enquirer got wind of her story in 2016, by the way, at the height of Trump's first run for president, the editor of the paper worked out a deal between Daniels and Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen. Cohen fronted $130,000 to pay Daniels for her silence, hence the term you hear over and over again, hush money. Then, of course, Cohen had to be paid back. To reimburse him, Trump and his company made a series of payments to Cohen by check, checks like this one, which was signed by the former president. But in an effort to conceal what that money was for, Trump falsely accounted for the payments as legal expenses. And don't take all of this from me. That's according to the U.S. Attorney's Office that prosecuted Michael Cohen for this scheme back in 2018. Now, that was five years ago. The truth is this hush money has been under investigation for a long time, under several prosecutors in two different jurisdictions. So there's still a lot we don't know about how we got here. They, they were really creative with the uh, title of her show. Mm. It's called Inside with Jen Saki. Speaking of Stormy Daniels, it sounds like a really bad porno. Gross. Thank you. I mean, there's literally a, a letter from Stormy Daniels saying that it didn't happen. Are, are they purporting that that letter came? And that she lost a federal civil suit where she had to pay $330,000 in legal expenses. Yeah, but are, are they trying to say that, that the reason why that letter exists is because of the hush money? Like, they, they're, they're saying that her the, to write that? They're saying that the... Well, <clears throat> well, here's the deal. Stormy Daniels and Michael Avenatti tried to extort Donald Trump. I don't know the exact details. But Avenatti went to jail. He sure did. Whoops. For, for scheming Nike out of millions and millions of dollars. But here's the thing. We don't know what happened with Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels. We may never know, and it's kind of irrelevant. Nor do I care. Exactly. But we do know, we've talked about it with many of Trump's attorneys on this show here, people sometimes come around and, and try to, and they're, they're the scummy of the scumbags. Obviously, Avenatti's a scumbag. Obviously, Stormy Horseface Daniels is a scumbag. Um, and, and just try to extort the former president. Listen, we've been around Bedminster, Doral, Mar-a-Lago, a lot of pictures together. This is what we're going to do. We're going to tell everybody that you guys banged. Uh, or you guys are going to pay us a, an exorbitant amount of money. What happens is, for people who are major public figures, billionaires, and things of that nature, their legal teams have to figure out a way to keep this out of the press. 
So whether or not anything did happen, the Trump campaign, the Trump team, the Trump business, Donald Trump said, make this go away. And they did with the payment to Stormy Daniels. They were basically extorted for however much the money is, $130,000, okay? What the district attorney, Alvin Bragg in New York, is kind of trying to unearth and revive these dead charges of Donald Trump on is saying that they did not list these charges on their official campaign whatever reporting apparatus that they use to say where funds from the campaign go, even though they were of personal funds. But the thing is, is like, why would you be extorted for hush money and pay it to keep it out of the news while you're running something like a presidential campaign, right? And then be like, this is for hush money for a stripper. List it publicly. Or porn star or whatever she was. It's just the way the game is played, obviously. I mean, listen, Hillary Clinton did the same thing in the millions, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, uh, you know, in regards to the Steele dossier, uh, which has been completely debunked in this, that, and the other thing. So um, I saw former uh, U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr was on Fox News Sunday, and uh, he was talking shit about Donald Trump. Let's hear it. Um, I'll ask you what I asked Jim Trusty as well. If the president was your client, would you put him on the stand? Because i got to imagine in any of these cases, if it gets to trial, he's going to want to defend himself. Yeah, well... I mean, I'm, I'm not his lawyer. Uh, you know, generally, I think it's a bad idea to go on the stand, and I think it's particularly a bad idea for Trump because he lacks all self-control, and uh, it'd be very difficult to prepare him and, and keep him uh, testifying in a prudent fashion. Okay, let me ask you about this. You know, Donald Trump's done several dispositions behind the scenes. There was one that came out not too long ago from, I don't remember what it was for, that he's always being you know, accused of doing something or other where he he gave several hours of disposition on, and and it was just like a normal back and forth. There was no, it's not like he's truthing people when he's under oath and on the stand or, or sworn in and and given a deposition. And, you know, it's just completely out of balance for Bill Barr to even go there to which you'll never believe Noah. Donald Trump was uh, quick to shoot back on truth social uh, I'm going to see if I can pull up the truth right now. Here it is. When you see Rhino's Carl Rove, Bill Barr, or Paul Ryan on your television screen, just turn to a different station or turn off your set altogether. You're better off watching the Democrats. <laughs> so, and, and he's right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the last thing he needs from someone who, who served underneath him is, is to go out there and say that he's uh, popping off the mouth. Um, so two out of three right now, I saw Trump attorney, Alina Habba. She sat down with, uh, plummeting ratings enjoyer, Don Lamont on his morning show as she was making the rounds yesterday, uh, talking about the indictment. Let's hear her. President, and do you, do the legal team, uh, do they, the unsealing of the document, do you support that? Does he support that? I mean, I think it will happen no matter what. I would like to see what the basis is for this. Let's remember that the real crime here that we have is that D.A. Bragg did leak that there were 30 to 34 counts. We already know that that in itself is a felony. You are not to let that go. So uh, at this point, I mean, and, and I like everybody Alina, we in this don't country know to be treated the, the same no matter DJ, who you We don't know if the, DJ? the D.A. leaked that information. That is speculation. Well, Where we don't have from? that information, so... Well, it's not speculation. We don't have the information. So it came from their office. <laughs> where, where else did it come from? Well, you know, the, the ice cream man on my street, he actually told me that. It's so funny. When where it, else is it going to come from? When, when 
even somebody like Alina Habba, who's not really a television personality, uh, can go on that show and just absolutely posterize him. Mm. <laughs> he tries to push back and, and get him. It's like, what about the DJ? Again, Donald Trump was quick to respond to the allegations that the uh, portions of the indictment, which is supposedly sealed until today, uh, was released to the press, especially CNN. Wow. District Attorney Alvin Bragg just illegally leaked various points and complete information on the pathetic indictment against me. I know the reporter, and so, unfortunately, does he. This means that he must be immediately indicted. He's talking about Bragg. Indict yourself. Now, if he wants to really clean up his reputation, he will do the honorable thing, and as district attorney, indict himself. (laughs) He will go down in judicial history, and his Trump-hating wife will be, I am sure, very, very proud of him. (laughs) So, Jesus. Yeah, it's it's been a rough week for everybody. Yeah, it's just really craziness. As we're getting ready to jump in here with Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen Polling, one of the people that I saw who made the rounds all weekend where we could speculate. I mean, obviously, he's talked about it. We'll, we'll chat on it in a sec. Let's hear it. Joe Tacopico. We'll take the indictment. We will dissect it. Um, the team will look at every every um, potential issue that we, we will be able to challenge, and we will challenge it. Of course, I very much anticipate a motion to dismiss coming because there's no law that fits this. So the plea is going to be entered as not guilty, and the motion to dismiss based off of a totality of things, everything from the indictment leaking to the press the night before Donald Trump is arraigned all the way up through like resurrecting misdemeanors and elevating them to the level of felonies. What, what is the, what is the end, the end game? Is it, is it, is it literally to get him a third strike and put him in prison for life? <laughs> I mean, like what? Well, I don't even know if they exercise that in, in New York. And do you, do you parlay like, uh, do you play state bingo <laughs> into <laughs> federal forever sentence? It's just one of those things right now where all anybody could do is speculate. I've seen tons of great op-eds, but that's what they are. You know, you see a lot of receipts come out about the people, but it talks about their history. It doesn't talk about, like, the situation that's going on now. Uh, right now we're living in, we, we don't say it to kind of, like in a clickbait, so this is history. You know, I talked to somebody yesterday. Actually, he's going to be joining us on Friday. Frequent guest co-host, Alan Jacoby, CEO of the Patriot Cigar Company. He called me yesterday and he said, hey, man, listen, I'm kind of on the fence. I said, he's like, a couple people asked me to go. The guys from the New York Republicans Club are going to be there. Mike Crispy is going to be there. A couple people I know are going to be there. And uh, he's like, man, I just don't know. He's like, my wife is out of town. My mother-in-law can watch my daughter. He's like, but what if like things get dicey and I wind up getting locked up for the night? And I said, Hey, listen, man, me personally, if I was there, I would be weighing it exactly the same way as you are. Yeah. But I just said, when you look at like some of the things, the Kennedy assassination, Richard Nixon getting on the the helicopter outside of the white house, you know, being at Ford's theater when, when something bad happened to president Lincoln, not that two out of three of those have to do with deaths, but when you're just talking about places that you could be publicly that are in close proximity to something that like historic pictures of Donald Trump walking in and out of the district attorney's office in Manhattan today will be pages on the inside of history books and, and, you know, online pages for historical references forever to come. And if you could be there and see it with your own eyes, it's obviously well, the books thing. It depends on who wins. Right. True story. 
Well, I don't know. It, you know, Donald Trump might want to hype up himself, and uh, the Democrats will definitely want to have him going to be arrested in, in, in the history books as well. But that's that's something that, like, if you could see it with your own eyes and you could tell your grandkids or your great-grandkids, like, I was there when this happened. Uh, that's something that I probably wouldn't pass up the chance on. Um, so he's there, and uh, he'll be giving us a little update on just how crazy it was on Friday because he's going to jump into guest host with us. And as we're getting ready to... Uh, sit down with Mark Mitchell of Rasmussen Polling right now, we're going to hear from one of our partners. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bill's. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per 2 ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you'd like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra 5 bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. All right, joining us next on the show, he's the head pollster at Rasmussen Polling. We had a great time with him last time so much. In fact, we invited him back. Mark Mitchell, thanks for joining us on the show today. No, thanks for the kind words. Great to be back. Awesome to host you, sir. And uh, here we are. It's it's indictment day, arraignment day for Donald Trump. I definitely think that that is the story that has kind of engulfed the entire news cycle. Uh, I'm sure you guys have looked into some numbers, not only with the fairness and legitimacy level of the indictment, uh, but, you know, how people feel about Donald Trump overall uh, now that the fact that he's being you know, kind of put under the microscope and, and having, you know, even more lawfare waged against him. What are some of the things that you're seeing uh, right now that are directly tied to the indictment coming down last week and the arraignment today that are, that are uh, either working or not working for the 45th president? Well, I have the pleasure to tease numbers that we're probably going to be announcing tomorrow on War Room, uh, where we just for the most recent time tested Trump versus Biden. And I think we might have talked about this a little bit last time, we but did. ever since the 2020 election, we have tested Trump versus Biden quite a few times. Uh, back in the fall of 2021, it was a blowout where Trump won 13 points with the same weightings that we had the 2020 election that showed Biden winning. Now, over time, you know, there's different periods of the year and of the election cycle where some people will answer polls and other people won't. And clearly, we all knew at the time that Biden was going to recapture some of that. But steadily, all the way through 2022, um, Trump was beating Biden by five, six, seven points. Um, But then back in, I think it was the end of January, early February, we did a Biden-Trump retest, and Biden beat Trump by three points. And I I covered it then as what should have been a huge wake-up call for the Trump campaign. Now, it was probably the absolute worst time to ask that question for Trump. And I figured that the pendulum would swing back, and it did swing back. So we now have Trump winning again by a decent margin. But I think that one-two punch of an underperformance in 2022, and then really, you know, he's had some takes that his supporters haven't gotten behind, but that Kevin McCarthy one was a tall order. And I think that hurt him. But I think this Trump indictment is hurting Biden even more. So we unfortunately don't track... Trump approval every day, but we do track Biden job approval. Right. And we get a whole ton of crap because we have Biden approval up pretty high right now and higher than most of the other. The thing is, is it it kind of should be high right now. He did better than expected in 
um, November. He's on the back half of his term. He he has a split Congress. There's a lot less he could do. And quite frankly, I think some of it is people are just a little chill right now. They need a break from politics. Every day can't be an election cycle. Every day can't be a war between Trump versus Biden. But sure enough, that Trump indictment hit him and dropped about five to six points off the last two nightly presidential approval runs. So where he's been sitting uh, in the vicinity of 46, 47, we had a couple of nights of a 42 percent return. And that's pretty significant. We never got him below a 37. So I don't think he'll knock on wood. Right. I don't think Biden's really going to get that low again. I'm sure it'll probably bleed back up. And he'll probably maybe finish the term in the mid-40s, but Trump spent the last two years of his term pretty close to 50%. Right. So right. people say, why isn't the number lower? Well, it's like the country is hyper-partisan and super divided right now. And we we did ask a set of questions about the Trump indictment that showed exactly that. And it's like, you know, you can objectively look at Trump's term and say, yeah, he did some great things that were good for our country. The American First platform is a great platform. But he also has a hostile press out there every day of the week. Um, and so we asked, do you approve or disapprove of bringing criminal charges against Trump? And this was last week. And uh, 49% approved, 47% disapproved. Um, but the number of strongly approved almost exactly matched strongly disapproved. <laughs> the number of Democrats that were for it almost exactly matched the number of Republicans that were against it. Uh, it was incredibly incredibly divided and i think you can't take too much away from this question i think there's people have been conditioned for the last six years to think that trump did something criminal and the truth is is that biden hasn't had that same level of media conditioning to support the things that we all know and look at that he may be doing illegal um but then we also asked do you agree, agree or disagree prosecuting Trump in Manhattan would be an outrageous abuse of power by a radical district attorney who lets violent criminals walk as he pursues political vengeance against President Trump? And in this case, 59% of voters uh, agreed with that statement. And so I think part of it is there is probably some aspect of people who think that if Trump gets charged, he probably didn't do anything criminal he will probably not get, um, you, you know, convicted and he, you know, he should have his day in court. Uh, and now I have some personal reservations about how that might play out. Right. In, in <laughs> right. But we haven't pulled specifically on that aspect of it. But the part that sticks out here is it really, uh, I, even the Trump Biden matchups where we have Trump winning, there's some caveats about, well, you never know how that's going to pan out because it's not two weeks before an election. Nobody's close to 50%. Trump's obviously closer, but the absolute per- percent that a person has really does matter. And uh, some in, in a question like that, a 47% is very different than a 49 or 50%. Um, but this signal of people being upset with the status quo of how their federal government is potentially being weaponized has shown itself time and time again for the last couple of months, whether it's people thinking that feds provoked the Capitol riot, whether it's, um, you know, people, you know, looking at, at, at Biden document gate and things along those lines. So 
Uh, 59% think it's an outrageous abuse of power. And that was, of course, before the indictment actually came down. And so here we are. Um, I think it's going to help Trump. Yeah, it looks like it has already. And one of the biggest places that I've seen his numbers rise and the ones you gave out there are pretty telling, uh, especially the bounce back after the McCarthy thing and where we're sitting right now with the, you know, Lumi indictment and the arraignment that's going down today is a lot of the numbers that are coming out. I know, I don't know how much you check other poll outlets and the numbers they, they are kind of putting out there on a daily basis, what they're using as far as their demographics go to uh, tabulate those numbers, et cetera. But the presidential primary race, uh, this is probably where we've seen some of Donald Trump's biggest jumps in, in the poll numbers, kind of across the board. And, and in places he might not have, he might have been underwater just a month or two ago. What's some of that data, especially in a head-to-head matchup with Ron DeSantis, who's still unannounced but is essentially you know, running the preliminary uh, portions of a presidential campaign right now with his book tour, are some of the things you're seeing in those numbers? And uh, what do you think it means for the big picture of things as far as the Republican primary goes? We talked about the primary last time, too. And I'll have to tell you a couple things. We haven't updated our numbers since then, but we poll daily. And a lot of the times you'll see pollsters drop a major headline. And it's something where they haven't polled a month. And they have this huge mega poll and they pile everything into it. And then they come out with a headline. Um, Because we poll daily, we catch these movements. And we talked about it last time. I think there was the movement. So we polled back in, I think it was November, and showed that um, when you ask Republicans who they want to be their primary candidate, Trump wins by a significant margin. But I think it was maybe 49 to 35 or something, like within 20 points. Right. And then we asked mid-February, and we threw, it was spurred by the Nikki Haley campaign announcement. And to me, that one right there was the kill shot. Once you throw an actual candidate into the mix, she siphoned off more points from DeSantis than from Trump. And Trump went up to 52 and DeSantis went down to 24. And I think uh, there was a lot of the reservations about DeSantis already surfacing by then. And so to me, I only this stuff where people are showing an even bigger lead for Trump um, We went into Arizona recently and did a poll and saw a huge lead for Trump over DeSantis. So I I think if we polled, we'd probably find something very similar to everybody else, which is probably Trump close to 60 among Republicans. And DeSantis probably with the still the same 25 to 30%. But as the numbers tomorrow will show, we didn't just test Trump versus Biden. We tested DeSantis versus Biden. And I think... A lot of people would say in DeSantis's pro column, the word electability, and we tested that, and it doesn't hold water. So everybody will have to come check that out. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to see. You, you can't tell uh, emotionally how people are going to respond to polling when you know major events like this indictment and uh, obviously other things geopolitically and domestically uh, in, in terms of Joe Biden. How, how these things are going to affect the actual numbers on a day-to-day basis. I do like the fact that you guys do a lot of long tracking using essentially the same questions to make sure that you get like the best 
collaborative data piece available that shows, like you said, you guys can see the rises, you guys can see the spikes and identify where they happen and then kind of stamp them with events. Like you, you also mentioned the Nikki Haley uh, announcement of her candidacy. So I do think that goes into uh, the legitimacy of the great work you guys do and, and definitely, definitely, uh, you know, keeps the, the people who are following this a better, cl- closer to the pulse, I think of, of what the actual, you know, feeling of the nation is now. And uh, we'll be excited to see those Trump Biden and Trump DeSantis numbers tomorrow. But there was one thing, uh, you know, that we talked about yesterday that I definitely want to uh, touch with you on before we cut here, Mark. You, you guys recently did some uh, polling regarding the killer vaccines. So there's our COVID-19 yeah. warning label for uh, this show. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> you want to give our listenership a little insight onto uh, some of the work you guys have been doing uh, researching that narrative? Well, I'm, I named – I cut a video on it. People can go check it out. Believe it or not, it's still up on YouTube. I called – it, the vaccine quote kill shot. <laughs> uh, so we've had, we've done a ton of COVID polling and unlike outfits like morning consult, it wasn't just breathlessly reporting on the vaccination rate. Um, but really we started, you know, COVID kind of people chilled out on COVID in the summer of 2022. And we thought we wouldn't poll on COVID anymore. And then uh, on a whim, we asked this question about side effect rates and found that 7% of vaccinated people self-report a major side effect rate. Now, that was pretty amazing at the time because it goes against the official narrative by like probably two orders of magnitude more unsafe than it probably should have been. But there were question marks, right? Like, okay, well, what's a major side effect? And people are self-reporting and maybe there's some selection bias in your polls. And it's probably, there is some probably, right? But then the next one we did was died suddenly, and that was back in January. Um, and we asked all Americans if they know somebody personally that they think died from the COVID vaccine. And we got 28% of Americans saying yes, which is incredible. That means Americans think that this vaccine kills people. Now, again, is there an objective way to tie it back to a number or to benchmark it? And the answer to that's no. Like how many people does somebody know personally and how many? So it was a great headline getter. And I think it was important work, but once again, not everything you'd want. And so the most recent set, and this you know was actually recommended to us by some of the people that are very big in the space was to come out and ask people Two questions sequentially. Do you know anybody in your household that died of co- the COVID virus? And do you know anybody in your household that you think died of side effects from the COVID vaccine? And the kill shot is that pretty much the same amount of people said yes to both of those questions. And so the implication there is that if public opinion is to be believed, and we've made a business out of it, right? <laughs> the vaccine is as deadly as the COVID virus is. It was 11% to 10%. And I could go into a ton of detail about why all the internal numbers tell me that this is a real signal. Um, Once again, if people are more interested in, in, in hearing those details, they can go and check out the video we cut on YouTube that is surprisingly still up there. Uh, It's only, it's less than a week old. Um, it's really big news, and I hope everybody can help spread it. But this is is real. It's killing people. Yeah, you, when, when you look into some of the work that's come out already, like uh, the committee work on Capitol Hill uh, with the House Republicans and, and some of our Republican senators who are kind of deconstructing the whole narrative of what went on uh, shortly after the start of the pandemic, 
what the government did to kind of skew the public from thinking about where it came from or how it was developed and then all the stuff that you know with the vaccine that happened at the uh, handoff between the Trump and Biden administrations and where that kind of went and and then you look into uh, a lot of the whistleblowers who are coming out obviously they had one in a uh, Senate committee or uh, I'm sorry a House committee meeting not too long ago where he said like yeah, I was just booted out of the thread as soon as I questioned Dr. Fauci's narrative of, of what the origins were COVID, of COVID was. Yeah. And, you know, they, they were like, well, what do you mean you were booted out? It was like, well, there was an email thread. I know the thread continued and I was removed from it. So that's pretty much what being excluded means. And then you have all these investigative reporting. Uh, you know, James O'Keefe is doing a real great job uh, kind of getting to the bottom of some of these vaccine companies and, and you know, what they're doing. They might even be doing gain-of-function research and, and testing uh, vaccines on, on, you know, things inside the United States instead of other countries like what was going on at the Wuhan lab. So that is a huge topic that, you know, I think we're just kind of scraping the surface with. Sometimes, unfortunately, I think all the other craziness, uh, the non-important stuff in the news, like, like what's going on with President Trump right now and the, the indictment sometimes takes away from the important information that comes out regarding this stuff. Because at the end of the day, like people died from, you know, poorly manufactured vaccines that were pushed onto the American public that showed efficacy that didn't really do anything uh, in regards to preventing COVID other than, you know, who knows what there's no long-term studies. And and every doctor we've had on here from Dr. Zelenko to Dr. Malone to Dr. McCall on our show have said like, listen, I can make every, every statement I want, but there's no long-term research. So I'm going to have to say at the end of everything, I think there's no long-term research. So we don't know. Um, and you know, that's kind of where we're at as they're trying to deconstruct that whole narrative. So one of the people that read our Twitter feed and some of the tweets about this topic made this horribly stupid backhanded smarmy comment about, well, good thing that polling isn't science or something along those lines. But like, first off, if you were trying to say, investigate, you know, the long-term effects of smoking on people's like lungs and cancer, would you have a 40 year study where you had people smoke or would you go out and survey them? So surveys are science. And let's recognize here that in some ways science was perverted in order to perpetrate what appears to be going on here. And so a lot of there's a lot of other places to look that imply that the vaccine is killing people. You could look at VARES and say, all right, there's reports of death. But again, you have to use a multiplication factor. You could look at some of Steve Kirsch's polls. And again, you have to acknowledge that there's a ton of potential bias errors. Ours is the first, I think, scientifically conducted national survey where people told us that the vaccine essentially kills as many people as COVID. And so that is caught red-handed, potentially hundreds of thousands of deaths. You have to do a lot of work to explain away the the facts there. And so that's why I think it's the kill shot. And I wish that more people could see it. But unfortunately, the Washington Post isn't (laughs) knocking down our door to run a headline on this. They only come to us when we ask some people if it's okay to be white. That's um, true, and that is something that you guys have conducted a little research on as well, which we definitely think is uh, awesome. And, and you know, Mark, the best part about it is is that once it's out online and once you guys put out your, uh, your data on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, whatever you guys are doing in regards to whatever topic you're researching, but just in this specific case here with stuff r- related to the vaccine, you guys were out ahead of the narrative way early. You guys continue to track it, and when they go back and kind of build what will be the actual narrative of what happened during the pandemic, how we responded to 
it and what we could do differently in the future to protect the lives, you know, of not just people in the United States, but all around the world, because it was essentially you know, a huge global issue, then you guys will be there as part of the, you know, group that led to those numbers that kind of gave us a better disposition than what we've just been spoon fed by the pharmaceutical industrial complex and, and, and big government. So we appreciate that and uh, all the work that you guys are doing. We're going to live link the uh, website in the show description today, and uh, awesome. I'll throw that YouTube video up there for the uh, vaccines as well, see if we can't get that uh, as a strike for us as well. But is there any place that we should be tracking you guys on social media? As a strike, probably getting the strike. Uh, we have a good Twitter feed. Um, we cover a lot of stuff, and there's public opinion all day long on it. So Rasmussen underscore poll. Um, and people can also, if, if they'd like to support us, that's great. If not, go to rasmussenreports.com and get a free daily update of at least you'll see all the headlines every day and kind of like get a, a look at what we're ask, asking questions on. And we ask important questions that other people won't. And also it, today's question day. So if you have any suggestions about what you want us to ask on the Trump indictment, shoot them over and maybe we can get them into the rotation. I love it. And, uh, I love all the work that you guys are doing. Mark, we'll be looking forward to having you back again soon. We enjoyed sitting down with you again today. This is the head pollster at Rasmussen Polling. Mark Mitchell, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to be here. There's a saying in the military, different rank, different spank. And there are two tiers of justice in this country. Way too long. You can't tell me who the victim is. Who is the victim of this so-called crime? You can't say it. As far as we know what the indictment is, and I'll speculate, is that he put the payment to the lawyer in the wrong column. He put it in a different ledger. So the lawyer took out a loan to pay off Stormy, and Trump reimbursed the lawyer. So that went in as a legal reimbursement. No, it went in as legal expense. It's a bookkeeping charge. This isn't a publicly traded company. There's no victim here. This goes afterwards into the filing cabinet, and that's it. And they're saying that because he didn't put this down as a campaign expense, then that's covering up a felony? That's bull, and everybody knows it. All of a sudden, we care about what ledger you put something into? <laughs> I mean, what ledger did Hunter put the diamond he got from China in? The Biden family took money from China, didn't pay taxes on it. What about all the missing billions and dollars from Afghanistan? Gone. What no about one this? cares. There's no criminality there, right? But Trump pays somebody and they're looking at what ledger he put that down in? How about when HSBC, the bank, settled for billions in fines for money laundering cartel cash? They didn't put anybody in prison. They didn't criminally charge any of the bankers for that. Or they didn't criminally charge any of the bankers that crashed the economy in 2008. The Manhattan DA just sat there and went like that. But they're looking at this. This is crazy. Bragg is the one that committed the felony. Judge knows this right here. It is a felony, unlawful grand jury disclosure. How do we know what's in this indictment? How does CNN know this? Because someone in the Manhattan DA's office leaked this. That's a felony. That we know is a felony. Unless CNN is on the jury. And we know that's not true. So we have a case shut right there. Bragg is a felon. And he's trying to make a career for himself over this. And Bragg has interfered in this election more than Russia has or China has combined. Some good points there yesterday by Jesse Waters on the five. Mm. You know, he uh, talking about the indictment that was leaked to the press, uh, former Russiagate reporter and to the Wall Street Journal, CNN. 
and you know just tracking what's going on live right now while we're recording the show uh the radical left did achieve what they wanted uh donald trump had albeit very short a perp walk from the interior offices where he was processed to the courtroom uh where there was press waiting he did not take any questions uh on entering the courtroom and i don't know if there's camera or just photography from inside of the courtroom but there are still shots of donald trump sitting in court um in the actual courtroom being arraigned right now. So that's kind of where we're at up to the minute wise. And we're going to keep tracking as long as we're recording today. So, you know, they, they got to show a former president, one who's for the most part beloved throughout the nation and around the world, getting perp walked like a common criminal today. And it's just disgusting. It's disgusting to watch. No, what did you think when I showed you the video? It's just so pointless. Everything that's happening, it's disappointing, and there's literally no basis for it that's going to ever hold up in any court. And I mean, I mean, I guess depending on who's paying, but yeah. I'm seeing right now that uh, Stephen Miller just tweeted that, you know, the fact of the matter is President Trump is being charged by a radical district attorney for, no, do you want to throw a knot in there for me? Not Using campaign funds to resolve a private matter. Oh. Yeah. Jesse Waters would take to his own show shortly after the five and sit down with Trump attorney Alina Haba. She was making the rounds. Good thing we didn't have her scheduled this week. She'll be in with us next week to give us a full disposition on everything that happened today and what the fallout from it and where we go from here is. Uh, But let's hear her talk about the preview of the arraignment. They keep talking about this possible gag order. They're not going to let the former president talk about it. How did he react to that? He, he, I mean, it's absurd, right? We, we discussed that. I can't get into, obviously, privileged conversations. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that they would do that. That would be insane. And if they did, you have to remember, that's putting a gag order on a candidate for presidency so that when he is then in a debate, he's unable to answer questions that he needs to answer. I mean, that would just be the largest phase of election interference we've seen yet if tomorrow is not the biggest. Um, so that would be shocking. And, and if they're going to do that, I mean, this case will get thrown out, I'm sure, right away. That would be that would be insanity. Do you Even think for our country right now, that would be. Do you think the president can get a fair trial here in New York? Absolutely not. No, no, no. I think it's very difficult. I, I'd like to have faith um, in this state, but I've been practicing and for him now for a couple years and gone to court in new york for a few years and i can tell you it's um it's not the same as as representing anybody else unfortunately people no matter how much they try not to have their biases get involved they do meanwhile hunter biden's roaming free we can't get a list on epstein's island and who went and how many times but Mm. if you're donald trump you know and and you're taking care of your family and have lawyers handling your business you know it's it's unbelievable jesse what do you think noah yeah, it is unbelievable. It's unbelievable that we're in the position we're at where it's literally something that would happen in a fucking third world country. Like silencing dissidents, jailing your opposition. It's insanity. A little bit of a live update. The 45th president of the United States has just entered a plea of not guilty regarding 34 felony charges that are being presented before him today. <clears throat> I just saw that Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, the House Republican chair, 
uh, released a statement in just the last few minutes. I'm going to read it right now. The shameful arrest of President Trump is unprecedented in a chilling chapter in the left's weaponization of the justice system against their leading political opponent. This dangerous and illegal overreach by a radical DA has completely backfired for the corrupt far-left Democrats that would desperately tear this country apart than face President Trump at the ballot box. The American people are smart, and they know this politically charged event and that President Trump will defeat these charges in court and turn the tables on the far left. Democrats, by exposing their corruption and their abuse of power. President Trump continues to skyrocket in the polls, and just like with the Russia hoax and the sham impeachments, President Trump will defeat the latest witch hunt. She got them all in there. Defeat Joe Biden and be sworn in as the President of the United States on January 20th, 2025. I got bingo. Yeah, that's it right there. We need to, there's a bingo button on the, on the roadcaster now. So yeah, it's, it's busy right now. And, uh, that's the latest Donald Trump entered his plea of not guilty to all charges. And, uh, I saw yesterday, actually last night, Pete Hegseth, who's like one of the last people who actually openly supports president Trump and is, you know, kind of all in on Trump 2024, uh, that works for Fox news had someone who's absolutely not Jason Chaffetz, that little elf, uh, on with him, and they were talking about the Trump double standard. Let's hear them. Fox News alert. Former President Trump indicted over alleged campaign finance violations leading up to the 2016 election in a paper-thin case. But then opponent, opponent Hillary Clinton got off with a fine after her campaign funded the groundwork for the now infamous Steele dossier. Imagine that. What is with this double standard? Here to react, former Utah Congressman and Fox News contributor Jason Chaffetz. Jason, thanks for being here. It's moments like this where we ought look at other places and ways in which things were handled differently. And we now know who paid for that Steele dossier. We know it was the DNC and the Clinton campaign. We know they were fined because they filed it as legal services, which is not what it was, yet it was just a fine. Well, look, the uh, Federal Elections Commission, the FEC, has jurisdiction on these types of, of cases. Now, it's notable that they have refused to uh, prosecute uh, Donald Trump. So now you've got a city prosecutor who's trying to do this against Donald Trump. It's fundamentally at its core wrong. Now, Hillary Clinton's campaign, you're right, paid $10 million with the DNC to fund a document that was false to perpetuate this hoax to manipulate an election, and they were fined for it. Mm. Imagine that. It's uh, not a surprise whatsoever that the two-tiered uh, justice system is still two-tiering its way through the galaxy right now. Jason Chaffetz looked like demons were being exercised from him while he was <laughs> having to. Here's the thing. If there's one thing that can rally Republicans, even the most rhino of them from the establishment back to the center of what is all great and true about being conservative in this country. It's the absolute and unbiased hatred for Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And, and you want to know what I'm seeing her doing these speaking events. Like I said, she did a, like a kind of an intimate town hall with Nancy Pelosi. It was like literally two drunk grandmas talking about the good old days at Olive Garden who were still talking about how Russia interfered with the election and Donald Trump was a Russia, Russian asset this weekend. I just decided not to pull it for the show because I listened to it like three times and they're both extremely incoherent. What's going on with Joe Biden right now and him kind of moving the goalposts on whether and when he wants to announce if he's going to run for re-election, 
I would have to say uh, out of all the potential candidates that the Democrats have for the field, and, there, and there's a couple that are going to come in probably regardless, like Senator Warren and uh, Amy Klobuchar, you know, people like that have already ran, maybe even Crazy Bernie. Hillary Clinton looks like probably the most viable who has a national apparatus mm. set up electorally to get into this race if Joe Biden does, let's say, wait till July. Uh, you know, that would kind of take the wind out of the sails of someone like uh, Gavin Newsom or uh, God, I hope not Gretchen Whitmer. And, and that would I kind of see them as more viable 2028 candidates just because they push that progressive uh, climate change bullshit better than anybody. They're younger. Their delivery is better uh, than Joe Biden. But um, <laughs> better, their delivery is better than Joe Biden. That's that's a, that's a, yeah, that's. Pretty good analysis. Not a stretch. That's why we get paid the big bucks here on Steak for Breakfast, which is zero dollars. Um, Senator Ted Cruz, who has not endorsed President Trump yet, but everything I'm hearing leads me to believe he will. He's already like cleared the path by saying he's not going to run for president. He's already announced that uh, twice over the course of the last year that Donald Trump is the guy uh, in the Republican Party. He's probably just looking solely at data and, and poll numbers, but you know, weighed in on this. Kind of breaking news that came out about Hillary Clinton's campaign getting fined for the like up to ten million dollars they paid to help produce and promote the Steele dossier, which was the centerpiece of the Russiagate hoax, which we now know is completely debunked. And obviously, we have so many people who are connected to that on our show uh, that has laid it out for us. You know, kind of adds validity to that. But let's hear the Texas senator weigh in on the Clinton fine. Here's what you need to understand: Hillary Clinton in 2016, in the middle of the campaign. The Hillary Clinton campaign paid over a million dollars for the Steele dossier, the bogus fake attack on President Trump full of lurid rumors that have now been thoroughly disbunked and disproven. The Hillary Clinton campaign paid over a million dollars to, to create that work of fiction. The Hillary Clinton campaign recorded that million dollars plus as, quote, Legal fees. They literally did the same thing that they're alleging Trump did. Now, Hillary Clinton did it in the same place, New York City, at the same time, 2016, that Trump is alleged to have done so, and she did it with ten times as much money. There is no rational way for Alvin Bragg or any Democrat to say, if Trump does it, it it's a felony, but Hillary Clinton does it. Nothing to see here. I'm not concerned at all. This is blatant partisanship. And I think the one thing that, you know, you may have been missing if you're just kind of li listen to this right now, uh, what's going on with these the fines that came out that were charged with the Clinton campaign. This happened in the same state that Donald Trump's being charged in. You know, Hillary Clinton's campaign office was set up in New York State. Mm -hmm. So that's where this came. It, it would essentially be the same district attorney's office. And... uh yeah. Well, that'd be funny if this just caused, like, a cascade of, well, okay, let's get Hillary perp-walked now. Well, there's people that are saying that, like, Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, all of Joe Biden, his brother, his kid, they got money from. Well, they all they're belong all, in jail, yeah. Yeah, they're all next, but listen, I ain't holding my breath on that one. Um, what I will hold my breath for is to announce that hopefully you guys are listening to this show on the favorite places you like to hear your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Podbean, etc. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. 
helps us out a ton, uh, you know, in the charts with the suggestions as far as the algorithm goes. When, when you want news like Steak for Breakfast, you want us to show up when you open up your uh, podcasting app. Same thing for social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, Instagram. Find Steak for Breakfast podcast. Hit the notification bell. Follow us. Uh, you'll thank us later. We're going to be sitting down with uh, Will Scharf here in just a second, who's uh, running for the attorney general seat in the great state of Missouri. Uh, he put out an article that recently was published in Newsweek. Uh, Josh Hammer, who's the opinion editor over there, saw it and threw it out. I inquired about it, and, and he'll be joining us in just a sec. He's going to be talking about how there are some strong correlations of what's going on in this country now, kind of what happened with the uh, anti-democratic revolution in India back in the 70s. And uh, you guys are going to be pretty amazed by by this great piece of work that he's been able to uh, pump out here through Newsweek now. But we have reached a point on such a surreal day to where as we move forward, the game's going to be played a lot different. Um, obviously we know, you know, lawfare could be targeting you and those closest to you to make your lives miserable. Um, obviously we know with the way federal law enforcement has been weaponized on any given day, the IRS, the FBI components of the department of Homeland security could just show up at your house and harass you and your family. Um, the ATF's been making the rounds too for, and the DEA for no apparent reasons. Just to, just to harass everyday citizens, everyone from Trump supporters to Catholics and everybody in between, PTA parents. Mm. Yeah. And we have to go back a little bit to remind ourselves that this has been a long time coming and, and some of the biggest names in the game, probably the biggest when it comes to radio, uh, foresaw this years ago. And in our last audio clip of the day, stemming from his last show that was ever broadcast on the air. Rush Limbaugh, uh, who is a great friend of Donald Trump, prophesized this essentially, that we would at some point be here. Uh, we know Rush Limbaugh would pass shortly after that episode aired, but his words live on forever. So as we're getting ready to sit down with uh, Will Schaff here, let's hear the great one talk about what was coming down the road for Donald Trump over three years ago. They desperately want Trump gone, and I, I know that they desperately want it codified that Trump cannot run again. Because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump's 75 million, 80 million votes. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again, which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They believe that they can, they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump. What do you think, Noah? Yeah. I, I think no words ring truer. No, it's 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 scary that that you know, prediction is able to come true. And, and there's a lot of people who who track all this history that saw... After Richard Nixon and leading up to Ronald Reagan, there was kind of a 
rebirth within the Republican Party. They knew some bad stuff. The original church committee era knew some bad stuff was going on. There was a rot going on in Washington, D.C. in our justice system with our federal law enforcement and, and, and things of that nature. It kind of was reborn in the Tea Party movement in the early 2000s and evolved into Make America Great Again. And even though at this part in our political history right now, we, we have a leader who's clear and defined like Donald Trump. He won't be around forever. But those words from Rush Limbaugh really do ring true in stating that he won't always be the guy. There will be a point where Donald Trump is out of politics, hopefully not forcefully. It's at a time of his own determination and after another term in office as president. But they won't ever be able to take the things, the ideas, and the ideals of Make America Great Again out of us. And hopefully we'll be able to carry that sword for him when he's gone. So kind of a busy day. Again, up to the minute is Donald Trump is sitting in the courtroom in uh, Manhattan. He's pleaded not guilty. They're going over the 34 felony counts that they're trying to pin on him right now. And we're going to have a full breakdown of what happens following that on our Friday edition of the show this week including whatever Donald Trump has to say from the after party tonight down at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> uh, right now we're getting ready to sit down with Will Sharp for the first time. Uh, but before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled, aged three years. If you get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next here on the show, he's a former federal prosecutor and candidate for the Attorney General, great state of Missouri. He's joining us for the first time. William Sharp, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Longtime fan. I guess I'm a, a first-time guest, though, so thanks. Making your debut today. We're, we're glad to have you. Uh, we, we chatted over the course of uh, the weekend and into yesterday, and I saw you great article that you uh, just had put out in Newsweek. Uh, great Josh Hammer, who's a great friend of our show, he does a monthly contribution with us here, uh, you know, was working with you, and uh, I read it on the website, and uh, I wanted you to talk to our listenership about it. It's titled Alvin Bragg versus American Democracy. It's an opinion piece, but uh, I think it's very pointed in the right direction as far as everything's going. You know, we've been talking on the show today, Donald Trump has arrived at the courthouse in Manhattan. He's been arrested officially, and it's, uh, it's definitely the start of something new here in America. So why don't you tell our listenership a little about a little bit about what went into writing this piece. Sure. So I think it's really important uh, just to just to note how dangerous what Bragg is doing, um, not just for Donald Trump, who I think is going to be fine at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. these charges are total garbage, uh, but for American democracy. So the article is uh, basically a comparison between what's going on today uh, to what happened in India in 1975, actually, when the, the sitting prime minister of India, who was wildly popular, uh, a court convicted her of what the, the Times of India called the, the, the electoral law equivalent of a traffic ticket, and then tried to kick her out of office. <laughs> a similar sort of setting where you have a politically motivated prosecution of a popular political leader, 
And, uh, and what ended up happening in India is tragic. You had a, a suspension of the Indian constitution, uh, a period called the emergency. Indian democracy was really hanging by a thread. Uh, and I think when you look through history, this is a recurring pattern that when political actors violate legal norms in, in such an extreme way as we're seeing with Alvin Bragg now, uh, really going back to ancient Rome and the decline of the Roman Republic, uh, bad things happen uh, that, that may be unexpected or unanticipated. And, and that's why I think what Bragg is doing is so dangerous. So a lot of that right there, I mean, both of them kind of tease to, uh, you know, end of Republic times. Is that kind of where the United States sits currently? We obviously have a lot of social issues that have uh, refueled the culture war. Uh, we consider on this show, we don't know what your opinion is. Barack Obama was probably one of the most divisive presidents in, in U.S. history. He had the opportunity to do so much for uh, so many different things uh, socially and, and, and racially to kind of bring this country together. And we, we feel that, you know, everything from law enforcement to just man versus man, he kind Kind of pushed people apart so hard that we never really recovered from that and, and then you have coming out of the pandemic you know just so many different ways our, our borders open our economies tanking the school system is broken and, and then you see all these social and civil issues coming into play here and now this going after uh former and probably future politicians all the way up to the office of the president of the united states is where we sit and uh it doesn't really spell good for for days ahead in the united states if we continue down this path yeah, look, I think as long as American patriots, as long as conservatives, as long as uh, people who believe what we believe are willing to stand up and fight for America, America still has a bright future. But we've got to stand up now. Uh, there isn't much time left. We can't afford to, you know, just accept another half decade or decade uh, of far left rule. And that's why I think this coming election cycle is so important. And that's why I've decided to run for office myself for the first time. But what we hear as we get around the state of Missouri, as we talk to grassroots activists all over the state, there's a new energy among conservatives that I, I really haven't seen since 2016. I think people are waking up to just how crazy things have gotten in our schools and businesses and in government. And I think people are, are finally standing up again. And I, I think this is going to be a great election cycle for us that will hopefully lead to uh, the kind of resurgence of, of the rule of law and the Constitution that I think we all want. Yeah, you know, we, we need uh, not only senators and uh, representatives coming out of states like Missouri, obviously the governor's office is a big one as well, but attorney generals. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in, in, in the, you know, conservative side of politics who are, who are calling for who are going to be the brave attorney generals to stand up and start holding some of these politicians on the other side of the aisle, or just politicians in general, or, and these public figures who have definitely done things that, that you know, warn an investigation to do so, and uh, we see very few people still stepping up to the uh, you know, line right now to kind of uh, shine the light on some of the investigations that need to be there. What do you see as, as, as would be a potential role as attorney general into looking at some of these crimes that, you know, things of like Donald Trump level that, that we would like to see investigated? I mean, obviously all the stuff with Joe Biden and, and his son and his brother and everyone else who's benefited from, you know, his life in public office is something that's under the microscope, but it's still, and it's like, infantile stages of investigation right now but would that be something that you would see potentially that attorney generals could uh be looking to get into down the road sure but to me the the much more interesting play and probably the more important play is investigating the folks who are funding all this craziness on the left when you think about george soros and his network hans bjorg weiss pierre amidyar the arabella advisors network there are tens of billions of dollars of left-wing dark money 
a lot of it foreign, flowing into the American political system. And when you look at this progressive prosecutor movement that gave us Alvin Bragg, that gave us Kim Gardner here in Missouri, uh, we've got to start tracing the money and we've got to start figuring out uh, how to to fight fire with fire in that respect. Um, So for me as an attorney general, uh, investigating those sorts of organizations when they violated the law, and we know that they are, uh, to me, that's a that's a really interesting play. But, you know, the, the Democrats have opened Pandora's box with uh, with their relentless pursuit of Donald Trump. And that's going to be reverberating through American politics for years. I don't think any public official, any public official's family, I, I don't think any of them are safe anymore from this kind of prosecution because of the door that the Democrats have opened. Yeah, it's really it's a, like I said, it's it's unprecedented and it's a new day in America as far as the legal system goes. We've been saying it's a broken and two tier justice system for a long time, but you can't see a better example of just how far down it, it's come from. You know, uh, in its best days to, to see Donald Trump walking up the the steps of the courthouse in Manhattan. So I think you make some excellent points uh, there, and I think that uh, you know moving forward we need to do a couple things, and and one of them is going to be tracking your candidacy as you're moving through the elections season and uh we're definitely going to be looking to have you back on the show so for anyone that's not uh already following you we're going to live link the article in the show description today uh where can we check you out on social medias uh i'm at will sharf on twitter instagram facebook uh truth social um and uh you can find us on uh on the internet at www.votesharf.com but i just really appreciate you guys having me on i've been listening to you all for a while and it's just cool to cool to get to chat with you guys Well, you'll be chatting with us on a much more frequent basis, sir. We love the work that you're doing and uh, definitely going to be tracking your candidacy very closely here on the show. This is a former federal prosecutor who's running for the attorney general's office in the great state of Missouri. Will Sharp, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast today. Thanks for having me, guys. Man, I wish it was a better way to start the week, but it was sure a busy one. What do you think, Noah? I mean, we'll we'll see. Like, what what are we going to miss when we stop recording? Yeah, that's true. Good thing about it is we'll be back on our uh, Friday edition of the show to bring it all to you. But if you enjoyed this version of the Steak Breakfast podcast and want to hear the now over 225 other editions of the show, you can follow us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, we're even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today, author and Trump 2024 campaign attorney, Ms. Christina Bob, Mark Mitchell, the head pollster over at Rasmussen Polling, and sitting down for the first time, great conversation with candidate for the attorney general office in Missouri, Will Scharf. Thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedule to come help make stakes great again. Guys, don't forget to go out and support our partners because when you do that you're helping make small american businesses great again as well namely my pillow the version 2.0 is amazing i've got two pairs of air lindells my dogs enjoy the dog beds i don't know what else i can say except when you enter promo code stake at checkout you're gonna get big big savings at my pillow uh, if you're more of a morning person they've launched my coffee it's delicious i love it noah loves it nothing says loving like staring at michael Lindell's. <laughs> on a big old bag of coffee beans while you're waiting for it to brew in the kitchen in the morning. I can't think of a better way to start my day. You enter promo code STAKE here. You're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep-related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 
45. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned can only be found in Odyssey. If you're in the studio, doing a little podcasting, writing some music, getting serious, you want to be serious about the investments you make, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. I man rubbed and charred a tri-tip this morning. Ooh, I like tri-tip. Threw it in the crock pot. We'll be enjoying it tonight. You enter promo code STAKE at MANRUBS, and you're going to get 15% off your total order. Check them out at manrubs.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Don't mistreat your meat. My Patriot Cigars. Alan is uh, live on location in New York right now. He'll be joining us on the Friday edition of the show. Go and support his great small American business. You enter promo code STAKE here. You're going to get 15% off your total order. All orders over 100 bucks, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And our newest partner, Farmer Bill's Premium Beef Jerky. You get a promo code STAKE here, you're getting 5 bucks off your order. You put a 12-pack of jerky together, you're getting free shipping. Check out all the great stuff they've got going on at FarmerBill'sProvisions.com. Upcoming shows, we've got a couple reschedules coming in to uh, load up our lineups. We're going to be sitting down on Friday with... Former acting ICE director, he served under five former presidents. Tom Holman will be back. We'll also be sitting down with Colonel Douglas McGregor. He's going to be joining the show again. And country music star, she's a platinum recording artist. Alexis Wilkins has been doing a little writing, America First writing for townhall.com. She's going to come in and talk about her latest works as well. We'll be back on next Tuesday. Kind of a loaded show. We've got Congressman Kevin Kiley representing California's third. And New York District's third, one of our favorites, George Santos, will be here. In addition to them, we're going to sit back on a reschedule with John Solomon. We're going to get the latest on the Trump indictment. And now charges presented against the former president with Alina Habba and sit down with Ambassador Jeffrey Ross Gunter. Should be a busy show. Jake Denton will be here on the 14th. So will Cash Patel. Congressman Chory Nels is going to be making his Steak for Breakfast debut. Alan said we have to get... A box of cigars in his hands. We'll make it happen. He's a big... Uh, everybody that works up on Capitol Hill said by like 9 o'clock in the morning, he's already puffing cigars in his office. Nice. I like it. And Jim Nels will be in studio that day. Opinion editor at Newsweek, Josh Hammer, and Trump attorney, Jesse Bennell, who will be making his Steak for Breakfast debut on the 18th. So far, Liz Harrington scheduled for the 21st, and I got a little bit more. Max Miller, Chad Wolf, John Ratcliffe, Congressman Wesley Hunt and Lats Gooden, all waiting to finalize dates with us as well so we'll get april all squared away probably uh in the next week or so friends of the week got my list right here we can never forget our truth social twitch streamer crew beastie man 420 siberian kitten csm master you guys love minecraft and steak for breakfast we love you guys for sharing our content some call me tim 79 came back with a vengeance this week noah and reminded me that he works a lot because he has eight kids, but he still had time to listen to the show and pump eight out kids. Eight kids. He's living the American dream and pump out our Substack. We love Tim. Some of the ones from other social medias, Brendan Dilly and the entire crew over there, including his wife Randy the Savage. They were caught sharing steak for breakfast content this week, probably because they were on the last episode of the show. NN Chris Paul, Saul Memes, Chloe Valentine, Lauren Eve, Ultra Maga Fran. Ready, Noah? Ghost Hammer. Oh. Scissor me timbers. Spoopy was sharing everything. Roxana Graham, Matt Jaramillo, and William S. And then the meme team. MAGA Devil Dog, Ramble Rants, Fuck Nuts, and Machiavelli Memes. Awesome <laughs> collaborative efforts. We shared them all over our socials. Right Wing Savages, Namrock Namrock, Grand Old Memes had a banger last night. Edward Russell, Real Brenda Memes, 
the Duke of Memes, the real meme DeLorean, dumbass Photoshop, silent meme Jordy, that Southern dude, mostly peaceful, and Madam America. Rewind that and follow every single one of those accounts. You'll thank me later. You gotta be keeping it real with the meme team. They're our uh, tip of the spear in the fight against the radical left. Things to remember between now and next show, number one, do your own research. I'm sure there's plenty of it to uh, dissect after today. Number two, start a podcast. Yeah, not bad. You're welcome. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Everything we're talking about about today, Donald Trump getting indicted, going to an arraignment, having a perp walk, etc. That's not American greatness. We need to get back to talking about American greatness. We don't talk it about. We don't talk about it enough. We need to start talking about it again. And last but certainly not least. As is with the uh, Trump indictment after party tonight. Let's see what happens. <laughs> this has been episode 227 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back 228 on Friday. Tom Holman, Colonel Douglas MacArthur, Alexis Wilkins at the very least will be here. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. And take care. By the pile, I'm going to give you three seconds. Exactly three fucking seconds. To wipe that stupid looking grin off your face, or I will gouge out your eyeballs and skull fuck you! One, two, three! Sir, I can't help it, sir! shit, get on your knees, scumbag! Now choke yourself! God damn it, with my hand, I'm nuts! Don't pull my fucking hand over there, I said choke yourself! Now lean forward and choke yourself! Are you through grinning? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I still can't hear you. Sounds off like you've got a pair. <laughs>